0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show: Talking Business in Blockchain.
1: Hello and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is Max Bernan, who is co-founder of B2C2 and is former Goldman Sachs trader on their interest rates desk. Thank you so much for being with us today, Max.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Look, mate, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation because I'm sure you're going to have some great stories and also be able to sort of let myself and the listeners know a few of the things that makes a good trader. But um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about how you've come to and why you've created B2C2?
0: Yes, yes. I was um, a trader, a junior trader at Gorman at the time. And um, my flatmate, who was also at Gorman, he was a, a quant Told me, hey, you have to look at this thing. You know that that Bitcoin thing. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems to be quite interesting. It was late 2012, and uh, and at the time I was um I was doing electronic trading on the side on some you know betting platform, Betfair and and stuff like that. And I decided to plug my algos onto onto Bitcoin. And uh, I remember at the time the, the the platforms were called you know was obviously Mongox, Bitfloor, you know places like that. And and it kind of worked. The, you know, the market went through a big downturn in 2013, which was a little bit difficult. But, you know, two years on, I, I, I saw that my, uh, you know, the code was working. And, uh, and on the other hand, the fixed income market where I was trading were, were not doing so hot. So I thought, well, you know, uh, might as well, you know, try to, to make something out of that uh, Bitcoin side, uh, side gig. And so I, um, I left, started the company, and we've been in crypto ever since. Wow, so
1: really early on, and uh, you, you you walked away. I mean, you, you were on. You walked away from Goldman at that
0: time. Yes, I did.
1: Ah, oh, right. That's a. Uh, I mean, I can recall. I mean, I, I had some friends who were traders in Goldman in London when I lived there, and uh, that's quite a bit to walk away from. It's it's kind of the pinnacle.
0: <laughs> they, they thought were I was absolutely nuts. Away. They thought I was absolutely nuts. However, uh, oh, they they were not laughing so much when uh what i suppose a year and a half a year and a half later roughly we hired from Goldman in my office you know on my floor the head of g10 fx trading it was quite actually quite cool i think
1: that's amazing. The thing is, though, is everyone thinks you're crazy for leaving a really, you know, well-paid, well looked after, well-regarded. I mean, look, your parents must have been super proud of you. You know, it's 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 a big thing to walk away from. But we, you know, visionaries are the ones that uh, have the biggest lessons to learn because they fail and they also win the biggest. But um, it would have been, I'm sure, you would have had some very interesting conversations around that period of time. So let's touch on a couple of things. I mean, I'm fascinated by your time at Goldman. I want to get a couple of war stories out of you. Now, obviously. You know that I'm a trader. I know that you're a trader and the listeners uh, are also trading as well. So some of the things, some of the memorable experiences from Goldman, I mean, you were obviously there throughout some, uh, I guess, a lot of people's experience at Goldman's is like bipolar, the highest highs and the lowest lows. Have you got any stories like that you wish to share?
0: Yes, I I remember when I was quite junior it was the the 2011 sovereign crisis in europe and i was on a on a on a desk that was quite exposed to that so you know everything was a little bit, uh, you know insane and uh, and my first boss was essentially let go and i ended up just myself so an analyst and, uh, and and a young associate on the desk and that young associate was actually quite a character she was a, a russian born lady who had started in mortgages in new york and when the 2008 crisis happened, everyone got fired and she was left alone to run the desk. And now, you know, uh, three years later, we were exactly in the same situation again. And she was, you know, maybe five, five, hundred pounds, you know, really tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny person. But she was hard as nails and would yell at you and, and devour your lives. You know, she was genuinely fair on the trading floor uh, because she was uh, she was so rough. And uh, it, it really resonated with me that uh, that uh, mentoring style. I, I listened to a few of your podcasts where you you mentioned you know it's important as a trader to have uh, to have mentors and people to learn from. Well, While style was really you know yelling and you no know, no mistakes are forbidden, and that that worked with me. You know uh, sometimes you need you need uh, a kick in the bum. Some people need to be uh, you know sweet talked into doing this and that, but I I don't, and so I really I really enjoy that. I remember. When um, I, I made my biggest mistake at the time, because I, I made bigger mistakes after that, I, I needed to book a small trade, do a small trade with one of the other desks. And I sent in my trade by email, my trade details. I said, hey, can you, can you give me a price just by email? Because no, small trade, doesn't matter. You don't pick up the phone for that. And the guy replied with the price. I said, you know, the price works. Thank you very much. And I booked my trade in my system. Now, 10 minutes later, the middle office calls me and says, hey, we've got a discrepancy between your trade and the other side. And I said, what's the problem? He said, well, the notional value that they have is is two times bigger. It's 750 million and you have 75 million. And suddenly I I realized that actually I look at my email and I had had misplaced the coma on my seventy. Million, absolutely, and and the, the 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 market loss, the instant loss when I booked the trade was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so quite a bit of money, and I was alone on the desk, so I tried to find my boss. Turns out she was uh, you know in the bathroom, right? So I sat next to the the ladies' bathroom as I waited for her, trying to. Try right, to kind of call her out, you know, but without it being too awkward for everyone, and and you know, thankfully she came back, you know, two minutes later, and we ran to the to the trader to try to uh, to unwind the trade. But that was, that was a big loss. Uh, she was not happy at all, and I can tell you that's a mistake I made only once.
1: <laughs> well, look, I think that a that's an epic story. Thanks for sharing that, and you know, b I, I think that there's there's two things to draw from that we talk about mentors a lot. Um, you know, I, I do mentor people, and uh, I was mentored. You know, I. I all the good traders that I know had or have had several or, you know, at least one amazing mentor that has helped them. And it's not so much about the strategy. It's it's about how to get through things because the second part of, the, of that story is mistakes. You know, we all make them and, and you have to. Like I've made so – I've blown out three accounts when I was younger, when I first started trading – and then, you know, it became fewer and it took longer to blow out an account. But the mistakes that blew it out were mistakes that I haven't made since, quite rightly, as you say, because they they hurt. And you've got to have that audacity to get back up and and keep going. And mistakes are like, I know this sounds so cliche, but that, that's where we learn the most from it. You know, we we have to basically screw things up to... To realize how important it is to be focused and that's why you know i think it's really important that a lot of traders well all, all the good traders that i know i mean they can be great fun after work or great fun on the weekends and do all sorts of things and be spontaneous flippant, whatever you want to call it but when they get into their desk or sorry when they get to their desk they they become a different sort of animal if, if you will and uh, and get calm and get into that place where you literally can't afford to put a comma in the wrong place, Max.
0: Yes. Well, I had, I had said in my email, you know, uh, the subject line was, hey, just a small swap, please. And the trader thought I was joking, essentially, because, you know, it was very inconsistent with the, with the notional value.
1: <laughs> well, that's unreal. And, uh, and look, you, you walked away from Goldman Sachs to start B2C2. So what exactly was the vision for B2C2? And uh, are you there yet? And what exactly do you do?
0: Yeah initially I you know the bitcoin thing was was working and I just wanted to make a, a bit of passive income and you know just be on the beach and do and do not much but that didn't work out like that you know the market uh, as soon as the government started you know um maturing right you know mm-hmm. the volumes increased uh, it wasn't quite yet you know uh, late 2017 but you know from from the the first month we uh, we were making money the plan was to do exactly what you know people do at, at the banks and other, you know, non-bank market makers. So we were one of the first electronic market makers in the crypto space, meaning we're connected to a lot of exchanges Mm -hmm. and we provide two-way prices as much as we can 24-7 on all those venues. We also run, um, you know, an OTC business, uh, but our DNA is is very specifically on the electronic side. So most of our clients that trade with us, they're connected via API, (laughs) And, and things like that, you know, fix API, WebSocket, all that stuff. So that's what we do. And we've been, you know, historically one of the, the biggest shops in, in the space, but we keep uh, we keep a low profile because mm. there's you know there's we don't set a product, we've got nothing to to gain from from publicity or or not as much as as, as some would, would think. So yeah, that's that's what we do. We're, we're big partners of, you know, Bitmex and Bitstamp and Bitfinex and the CME and all those guys.
1: Well, look, I think there's a common misconception out there about what market makers actually do. And I think a lot of people just don't understand it and think that, therefore, market makers are the bad guys. But effectively, you're providing liquidity, right?
0: Yeah. So what I do is, uh, or what we do as a team is, you've got computers all over and the computers are connected to the exchanges and they say, hey, I'm happy to buy a Bitcoin at $6,000 and I'm happy to sell a Bitcoin at $6,002. And we do that all day, you know, all day, 24-7. And hopefully, you know, when we buy a Bitcoin, you know, the market doesn't go down too much, and when we sell a Bitcoin, it doesn't go, you know, much higher. And if you and if you can size your orders and your spreads and everything, and hedge, you know, quickly enough, then you're able to capture, you know, a little bit of a spread over time. It becomes statistical after, you know, if you do enough trades, it's, you know, it's it's a numbers game. But it's, um, you know, it's aptly described by a lot of people as picking pennies in front of a bulldozer because typically you know <laughs> nothing much happens you know you don't you know you're you're clipping clipping a couple dollars here and there and then suddenly there's a big move and you need to make sure that when there's a big move you know you don't you don't lose everything that you've made over the past uh, the past uh, few hours
1: yeah completely and look i mean where, where you everyone who trades in crypto has to have a number of different accounts. And that's not different to if you're trading any other market. I mean, I, I come mm-hmm. from trading foreign exchange, commodities, bonds, stocks, anything. I really didn't care what it was. And it requires you to have a number of different accounts open. And, of course, I'll trade Bitcoin across different platforms as well. And I try to focus more on the top 10, whether it be against dollar, uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin, just simply because of the volume. Uh, it just makes it a bit easier to, to avoid or kind not avoid slippage, but it makes the slippage a little less inconvenient and you tend to get your fills where you need to. Now, for retail traders, obviously you're working across a lot of different platforms. Which platform do you think offers the best spreads on something like Bitcoin?
0: Well, the spreads themselves, I think that if you're looking to trade with leverage and you're not looking to actually buy physical Bitcoins that you want to store, then I think you know by a, by a big margin, BitMEX is offering the the, the best liquidity. After yeah, fees, you know. it's not 100% clear, you know, it depends on how much volume you do, because some platforms also, you know, you have low fees when you do a ton of volume. But overall, you know, if someone was just, you know, a, a, a retail trader looking to get excellent execution, I, I would I would go on, on BitMEX. And I and I say that I have no stake in BitMEX. I, uh, you know, we obviously trade there, uh, but not, yeah. no particular business relationship outside of that.
1: I mean, we we discussed earlier uh, before we hit the record button about the. I suppose I call it a trust issue with crypto platforms, but I I think it's just that you know all traders have got to be somewhat pedantic about risk. And I was sort of saying how when I trade on Bitmex, I'll send over the amount of bitcoins that I'm like I'm literally willing to lose, so that you know if anything was to happen to the platform or a trade, a fat fingered trade, because if you read the terms and conditions, they they won't take more than what's on their books from you, uh, so you can't go into negative equity. Essentially, so there's that risk factor covered as well. Do you guys have? A, I mean, I'm sure you've got the same sort of paranoia, or whether you call it paranoia or just sound risk management. Uh, do you trade in the same sort of way? I.e., you only send over what you're going to be using for that particular day or period of time to to help to mitigate that risk even further.
0: Yes, as you say, it's you know that credit risk management is is important. Yeah. Um, in terms of the discipline you need to have as a trader. There's no, there's no right answer to, the, to, to this question because the, you know, the platforms themselves, there's nothing, there's no single platform in the crypto market that can guarantee you that your funds are really safe. You know? yeah. it's, not, it's not the conventional markets that have had decades to put in place uh, clearinghouses and backstops and things that make it so that you know that they're not going to go bankrupt. It's not the case in crypto. And I don't know if it if it will ever be, right? So you have to, I think, build a trust with the exchanges over time. And from what you gather, you know, about them and their reputation and what other traders say about them, obviously take you know a lot of that stuff with a pinch of salt. But yeah, we we will only keep the the equity that we need to have on on, on a given account in order to support our anticipated needs there. So it's sometimes difficult to say how much you're going to need, right? But it's, uh, you know, you can put limits in place based on historical activity and, and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty sound.
0: You know, when you, you were talking about traders, sorry, mentors for, for traders, I think that you need two, kind of, two kinds of people if you can. You need to find a mentor who's a good risk taker because after all, you know, normally when you don't take risk, you don't make money as a trader. But also find someone who's a good risk manager, not about the risk taking but also you know the once you've taken the position because you have a view you know what do you do with everything that comes after that you know and that includes the management of your position things like the liquidity risk, you know, the fact that the market could go against could go against you and you get liquidated and things like that, but also, you know, the exposures that you take to the exchanges. And it's all those little things that people don't necessarily think about when they, they think of what trading represents. But in fact, if you look at long enough periods of time, a lot of the firms or traders that blow up, they blow up because of those operational issues, right? And so, you know, yeah. especially in crypto, some people, I remember actually from Goldman um, the, when I joined, the, the CTO was uh, Marty, Marty Chavez. He's, uh, he's quite well-known now. Yep. Or maybe he wasn't the CTO at the time. But anyway, he gave us a speech. And he said that now that you're in finance, you don't need to do anything specific to, to sort of make it. You just need to survive for 10 years. Just survive in the market, wherever you are, in whatever capacity you're, you're here at Goldman 10 years and you're going to be fine, you know, and I think maybe in crypto, there's a, there's also something like that, you know, there's so many opportunities will, will emerge over time, you know, they're in whatever move, if you're, you know, if you've done your homework, you're, you're going to be able to take advantage of something, Some, something is going to come up, but you need to make sure that you survive until then.
1: That's a really good way of putting it actually and a really good, I guess, analogy based off of something that actually happened at Goldman because I, I firmly believe in this space in the long term. You just look at the amount of invest, investments coming in. I mean, Goldman are having a sniff around at the moment. Fidelity are there. Obviously, ICE are there. There's a, there's a huge amount going on. Big investment firms now supporting, buying into, buying out big companies like Coinbase, for example. You know, They're not thinking short term. They're, they're thinking long term. And although as a trader, we do need to focus on both uh, short term and long term, it's it's comforting to see who's coming into the space and we are i mean look we are still a 200 billion billion dollar market it is absolutely tiny and that alone opens up a huge amount of opportunity now the market's been fairly sideways the last mm-hmm. few months which has forced me to trade i guess what you call alt so mo- a lot more trading on the less liquid markets trading against Bitcoin to build a Bitcoin stack, as you'd say, you know, to, to increase your amount of Bitcoin. Now, with this sideways market at the moment, is that good or bad for a market maker operator?
0: I think that depends on the firm because some firms will have, yeah. like, you know, everyone has a sort of like goldilocks volatility. You know, some thrive in low volatility environment, high volatility environments. A company like ours, you need to be, you need to adapt to changes in, in you know, when regime changes, the regime changes, mm-hmm. the regime changes in, in, in the market. You know, you need to, you need to switch the algorithms a little bit, and uh, and I think as a, as a day trader, you need to flex your style,
1: right? That's it. So, changes you know, it's funny. Just as we've been speaking, I see a little headline come up saying Goldman Sachs is signing up customers for its Bitcoin trading product. Literally, that news just popped up as I speak with you.
0: <laughs> and, um, and I don't think that it's going to move the market
1: at all. No, no, no. And that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. You know, there should be I'm – not, I'm not too concerned about the consolidation of price. I think it's not a bad thing at all. I think it allows projects to focus on doing what they're meant to be doing. And it allows the bigger operators that are going to help the space to grow to actually get in there and ask the questions without all the distractions going on around them, without the madness that it is – Bitcoin. I've got no concerns about it. And, and, and that being said, I mean, with the price, at the moment, we are sitting in a range between roughly 6800 and 6100. We've been there for a couple of months now. Do you guys have any, any outlook for, uh, for Bitcoin? I know it's probably not really in your business model to care too much in your day-to-day operations, but long term, is, is Bitcoin something that you guys think will, will continue to grow or is it going to be overtaken by something maybe more complex or maybe more simple?
0: Mm. Well I'm, I'm gonna disappoint here. I'm not the technicals guy at B2C2. What I can say is I, I believe in, in simplic- simplicity mm. personally. When you know people started rambling about that blockchain stuff, I thought it was really silly. Bitcoin is a simple concept, mm. but it's a beautiful concept. So I think there's there's value in that. Now as for the whether this is going to become a big market or not, I really don't know, actually. And I'm a glass half, empty kind of person. I I don't count my eggs before they Mm. hatch. So I, um, I'm to enough to reserve judgment
1: <laughs> very well put the correct answer <laughs> the safest answer and, uh, yes. and and a true answer as well we, the, the bottom line is we, we, we don't really know what's going to happen I'm with you on that I, I, I do like the concept and what's been positive for me it's been seeing other areas of the world like for example Turkey when they had you know issues with their currency people have moved into Bitcoin to the extent of which I don't know if it's major it doesn't appear to be that major but people are starting to look look at it as some form of store of value and as something that can help uh, against hyperinflation and that sort of thing. So there's definitely a place for Bitcoin in the world currently. Where it ends up and what it does, I don't know, but it's, it, it is good to see you know, a lot more products starting to come into the space for this particular market. Interesting times ahead, no doubt. And anything interesting going on there at uh, B two C? To any, any anything emerging, or are you just sort of sticking to the same path that you've been on for the last few years and continuing to execute as the plan suggests?
0: Yeah, I'm the kind of guy who decides to uh, to do one thing and to do it well. Yep. You know, we're not pivoting. We're not looking at other things. We're not even looking at trading other assets out other crypto even, you know, whether we believe in crypto or not actually doesn't mean that we want to start trading other things. Mm. You know, we're good at crypto, so we have to stick to that. And perhaps, you know, that's, you know, as, as a, if you're a day trader, you need to also know your, your strength and your weaknesses. And uh, I think you mentioned of one of your podcast patients, I think it's important, mm. you know, we're, we're good at what we do. If the market is a bit, you know, the volumes are lower and things like that, obviously our, you know, revenue is in, is in quite, a, quite a big correlation with, with overall ma- market activity, but that should not let one thing that, you know, you ought to start looking at other things. Uh, you have to start trading things that you don't know about. You know, it can be quite dangerous. Yeah, I think it's better to try to hone what it is that, that you're good at and, and hopefully capture the, the next move rather than to than to segue into, into things that you have no, no experience with.
1: Well, I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up the show, Max, because it I say it time and time again, and the people that are working with me right now are are being given the same thing. It's be patient. And, you know, like, for example, today I did a full scan and there was one particular trade that has fit the rules that that I really like to look of. I'll I'll know the outcome, whether or not I'm Mm going to take that trade or at least raise the order in 17 minutes from now. And it's not about having high volumes of trades if that's the way you trade. It's about having good high probability trades. And if the market's not providing those, then don't go chasing. There's a difference between someone who goes looking for a trade and someone who lets the market come to them. And I firmly believe those that have a strategy that allows the market to come to them i.e. you're saying this is what i need to see and until i see that i'm not playing this game i think that's the most important thing for a discretionary trader to be so they can remain focused and not go chasing all the shiny things that flash all over the place stay focused Mm -hmm. stay patient and that 10-year plan should hopefully play out
0: yeah and I, i think you know you mentioned in your podcast that you know psychology is also very important if you find that the market is not is not the right market for you right now and uh, and the opportunities are don't materialize in the sense that you know you're 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 afraid of starting chasing things that you shouldn't chase perhaps you know look at some some other things in your life you know maybe you can take up a hobby or do just something else you know sometimes it's also good to uh, to look at other things so that uh, you know you come back with a, a fresh pair of eyes rather than to you know to fixate on being in the market too much Well, that's a really interesting point because I mean, look,
1: in other business, it's if things aren't going your way, work harder, smarter. Mm -hmm. You know, spend time trying to, you know, work out what the issue is. With trading, I've personally found it's the opposite. If things aren't going well, stop, liquidate, go to cash and walk away. Go on a holiday. Take time away. Don't look at a chart. Don't read the FT. Stay away Mm -hmm. from the markets for a week. Let your brain and body and mind and soul. I I guess, consolidate and come back. Because when you come back, and when you come back, maybe don't take the first trade you see. Let that thing play out and get yourself back into the zone. But time away, it really does make a huge difference. So if anyone's going through that sort of period where you're just sort of a bit like, it's not going my way, just stop. Just stop, put your tools down, walk away, take a break. Do something that makes you happy because a happy trader tends to get a happy Return if they're executing flawlessly because anger doesn't help execution, emotions don't help execution. Uh, being happy does. So take some time out, a big step in the right direction if that's the way you're at. Absolutely. So, Max, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for sharing some war stories from Goldman Sachs, telling us a little bit about B2C2. I wish you all the best in the future and I look forward to seeing what you guys come up with. Thank you so much for your time.
0: All the same. Thank you very much. All right, guys, have
1: a great day. Bye for now. The Trader Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters.